listeners, welcome back to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. My name is Dry, and with me as always is Dorothy. Hello. So, I know what you're thinking. We promised you last time that we would be looking at Good Manners, uh, or as it's known in its original language. Are you going to try and pronounce Portuguese? No. No, I'm just going to call it Good good Manners, because... Because I can't. I'm sorry, (laughs) listeners. So this was my mistake. Normally, when we pick a movie for the podcast, somebody somebody has seen it before, or at least is pretty knowledgeable about it. And I was I kind of flew off half cocked because it was a movie that I'd been meaning to watch for a while, and this seemed like a good excuse. And then we watched it, and uh, we discovered two things. First of all, it isn't actually a movie about female werewolves. (laughs) Like, at all. It super wasn't. Um, And secondly, it's only a movie about queer women for half of it. Yeah, and saying more would be a lot of spoilers. There's also the fact that it's very clearly saying a lot of things about race and class and colorism in Brazil. We can make conjectures of that, but we're two white people from America. Yeah, and none of us, or neither of us, are particularly familiar with Brazilian film to begin with. I am going to link in the show notes a piece by Paula Halperin, a professor of cinema studies at uh, SUNY Purchase, who wrote a really interesting article about the filmmaking duo's kind of return to this um, imagery and critique of uh, of mammy stereotypes in Brazilian culture. And see, like, that's shit we can't. And also, can't. like, pregnancy horror. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is we didn't really get on with the movie because it kind of pulls this bait and switch halfway through and we really didn't feel like we could give it credit for the things that are interesting and that it's doing well. So, And I would say it's a very well-made film and there are things I like about it very much. The central performances are all very good. The cinematography is excellent. It is long. It's so long. It's two hours and 14 minutes long. If you're comfortable watching things that involve a lot of very uterine horror and maternal horror and things like that, I'd say it's worth a watch. We just, number one, it didn't actually fit our theme. And number two, I think there are people who are much better versed in all of the things that it is doing well than us to talk about it. Yeah, we can only talk so long about how we're really tired of dead queer women in horror movies. So it was back to the drawing board, which proved a challenge because there's not that many movies about lady werewolves, as yeah, it turns like, out. Like, as Jordan pointed out. <laughs> it's pretty much Howling sequels and Ginger Snap sequels. <laughs> hey there, listener. Vry here popping in from the editing room to mention that, yes, we did think about Cursed, but... Because so much of what's interesting about that movie has to do with the just train wreck of a production history, we decided that it wouldn't be much fun to do without Sean. And we ended up with Blood and Chocolate instead. All right. Now I saved you a tweet. Have a good one. And we ended up Googling. (laughs) Fiercely Googling for like an hour. And what we came up with was a 2007 film by the name of Blood and Chocolate, which is free on YouTube. A good sign. Oh yeah, always a good sign. It is based off of a 1997 YA novel, which I have visceral memories of seeing the cover of, 
but probably, no memory of the plot. You probably either shelved it or considered checking it out. Mm-hmm. So that is a 10 year gap between when the novel was written and when the movie came out. And uh, I would like you to keep in mind, listeners, as we go forward with this, that the film we're discussing came out in 2007 and the Twilight movie came out in 2008. We are inevitably going to compare the two. It's not us like trying to say anything, <laughs> but there are similarities. Again, the book came out in 97, and I don't know when Twilight the book came out, but it was- 2005. Later. (laughs) So Twilight, in its entirety, happens after this. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. Yes. And uh, so the reason we ended up picking this one is, A, we were very tired, and also- (laughs) And needed something we wouldn't have to pay money for. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, Hugh Dancy is in it. So tell me if you've heard this one. Hugh Dancy falls in love with a vicious predator Uh (laughs) who cooks things. When did Hannibal come out? It was after. I know that, but. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're talking about the one with the brains, in which case. No. You might have a case. Why would we be talking about that? (laughs) (laughs) Also, the brain thing happened in other Hannibal, in real Hannibal. Oh, yeah. The brain thing happened in Fuller's Hannibal. It just didn't follow through. So we picked this in part for the lulls. Yeah. We haven't read the book. We googled the plot and we'll come to that later. But bear in mind, I think there are book fans who will be mad. We haven't read the book. Yeah, we... <laughs> this uh, this is going to be a real strange case for us. Because usually when we do adaptations... We're kind of familiar with the source material, at least. So, for I was familiar with the cover. Viscerally familiar! Like, upsettingly! (laughs) I looked at that cover a lot! (laughs) And who was the author? Annette Curtis Claus, who wrote four novels. Like, all in the 90s, right? There was one in, like, the mid-2000s. Like, many years later. Round about when the Twilight Boom was happening. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like she's just a little ahead of her time, a little ahead of her curve. Yeah, like she was hitting around the same time as McDaniels. Like yeah, that, that and Animorphs. And... When like YA was sort of coming together as a genre, but there wasn't really an a, established market for it yet. Yeah, like it wasn't a juggernaut marketing term. It was just another category of kids books. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that nothing good was being written then, but it just as a category wasn't quite the same oh man wow i sorry i fell down a rabbit hole listeners where uh where one of her books is about vampires one is about werewolves one is about aliens and the last one is about a freak show so i guess she just hit all of the paranormal romance highlights and got the heck out of dodge just one and done for each one of which a decidedly worse idea than the others I i thought you liked those freak show ones don't you come for my Darren Shan books. I thought you liked the John C. Riley. Rude. Rude. How dare you? In this house. In this space. People will ask us. The plot of the film, which, by the way, does have a female director. I feel like that is uh, relevant to to what we uh, we've been looking at this month. Her name is... Katja von Garnier. I am sorry if I've butchered any pronunciations. 
but uh, I don't think she has too many other credits to her name. IMDb is not really giving me much here. Her last film was in 2017. All right. Okay, it looks like she's just not an American director. Ah, that would make some sense. Yeah, because this film is set in Romania. It sure is, because I Well, it opens in Rocky Mountain, Colorado. Ah, yes, that famous area, localized and easy to find. (laughs) Rocky Mountain, Colorado. Oh, I mean, I've been in Rocky Mountain, Colorado for hours worth of driving. How many hours? So we have a cold open where we see our tiny protagonist come back to her house. All of her family is uh, brutally shot in their tiny cabin in the middle of nowhere. And uh, and she escapes out the cellar in the back. If this sounds familiar, yes, it was familiar to us too. <laughs> and a little bit upsetting, if we're honest. Yeah. It's the same opening as in Glorious Bastards. Except in this case, it's because werewolves. Don't worry, this is absolutely one of those paranormal romance movies that wants to have a ham-fisted message about racism and tolerance. But But has no idea where it's going with that. Nope, because it has an actual, like, murderous paranormal creature as its stand-in for its marginalized group. Oops. And I feel like it's extra confused and awkward because it appears to be set in Romania primarily because it's cheap as hell to film in Romania. I don't know if there are any offensive Roma stereotypes here. There are none that twigged for me, but but that's also a thing. Also, uh, this is mostly a silly YA. Uh, you it's know, mostly a romance. It will, and it's it's pretty you know low budget and goofy. Uh, definitely content warning for some animal death though, and coercion. Oh, and the one. The, the sexy lady in the red dress who gets murdered. Yeah, that's upsetting. There's there's a lot of, like, stalking imagery uh, for a couple of scenes. That... And then her gory body. Yeah. After somebody breaks into her house. But, yeah, it's one of those movies where the werewolves are just people who transform into good, good doggos, so... Yeah, the, the, the wolves in general are not scary. There's... They're so cute! There's also no middle stage, there's no transformation scene. The people leap into the air in a very hilarious manner, and then a bright light shines on them, and then there's a wolf. Yep. <laughs> just a trained animal. <laughs> and they're so good and well-behaved, and sometimes they lay on the ground with their little tongue sticking out. <laughs> and then they get a good treat off camera because they're good, good doggos. <laughs> but yeah, so a- animal death, I guess. Mm-hmm. Pelts resembling animals covered in fake blood. Well, th- even then they turn back into humans when they die, so. That's true. But you know. So like, fuck them. Yeah. They're assholes anyway. True. That is the other problem with this weird oppression metaphor that's going on. It is deeply unconvincing because they're all assholes. Yeah. Yeah, so we've flash forward after, you know, the horrible murders, and, uh... It's ten years later, she's now 19. Our heroine, Vivian? Vivian. And she works in a chocolate shop, which is not as related to the title as you would think. I'm still not sure what the hell the title is going on about. I have no idea what it's going on about in the book, like... It really seems like it would be dangerous for werewolves to work with chocolate. That's true. Like, that can't be good for them. Really ought to examine that kind of deep-seated self-loathing. Yeah. It's a problem. I, I, hope, I hope she doesn't go around eating raisinets at the movie theater. That's like a double whammy. <laughs> 
So now she lives in Romania. It's unclear how she got there since, you know, her family was massacred when she was nine. But she does live with her aunt. Yeah, her aunt Astrid. Who, Aunt Astrid has a son named Gabriel. Who's a prick. Who, or no, she has a son named Rafe. Right. Who's a prick. She had this son with this dude named Gabriel, who is the alpha of the pack, because we're doing that. Oh yeah, it's full on that. Because we're doing that. And he has just decided that Vivian's going to marry him. Gabriel has. Because there's see, it's not really explained why this is the way it is, but apparently Gabriel just picks a new woman every seven years and impregnates her. And so, you know, that's fine and not completely incestuous for the whole pack dynamic, I guess. Which I guess makes Rafe like 21, 20 or 21. Pro- He's a shithead. He go- He's one of those guys who goes around calling the main character cousin while making it seem like he really wants to fuck them. Which, yes, you're doing that mental math right, by the way. I was sitting there. It was full on that meme with the numbers floating around my head. You have this man in his 30s who is very strongly insisting that he will be fucking his niece. And those are the stakes upon which the story opens. Also, apparently there's some kind of prophecy that that makes him extra double want to fuck her. It's not examined. Not really. Like, there's a one line about it. Because this is a YA novel and prophecy well, narratives are This is not a very... YA novel. Fair. This is a movie that should be a YA novel. Honestly, this movie, I kept saying... Wow, I bet the book's real good because I can see how this would work on the page. Like, even all the silly stuff Mm -hmm. would work much better written down and if we got a glimpse inside the characters. Because a lot of it's very verbal and talky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Vivian, while she's angsting about not wanting to marry her uncle by marriage. Which is just so unreasonable of her. Deeply. And boy, is this movie hurt by the fact, by the way, that um, Vivian's actor, Agnes Bruckner... I don't know if if she was just struggling with the material or if she wasn't directed well, but she's just coming across super flat. Just extremely flat. Like, she's, I think she's trying to do closed off because she feels like she's trapped and she can't connect with people, but it just comes across as, like, bitchy, tough heroine. With not much underneath. She just kind of stands around with her mouth slightly open like an Instagram model. And it's, it's kind of a bummer. You know, like that sexy, slightly open mouth. Mm-hmm. But she's just a regular girl of 19. And she happens to meet this sensitive artist from America. And, you know... He's played by Hugh Dancy. Played by Hugh Dancy. As and, an American. And looking like a baby, Hugh Dancy is. Why do they never give him a haircut? He's gotten a haircut once. Yeah, he is just... He does just have his Will Graham hair. And it's a little bit upsetting. Because <laughs> this is almost six, this is six years, it's half a decade before he started doing Hannibal. <laughs> he looks like a mess. Mm-hmm. But like a charming mess. Every so often, they will just have a shot of him where he's like sitting in a ruined building or something, looking like a Calvin Klein photo shoot. And it's very silly. <laughs> Although he's grievously miscast. 
he's good in this, but he is entirely miscast and not like on a physical level. It's not like he doesn't look like this. Like when we say that Antonio Banderas was miscast as Armand. Mm -hmm. No, it's more that the the type of person, the the archetype he's being asked to play, he's not really hitting the beats to make it charming. Yeah, because he's supposed to be that sort of charmingly take charge kind of guy that exists as a fantasy in a lot of straight female focused romances where it's this guy who slightly rudely tells you what we're going to do, but it's something you actually want to do anyway. And so it's like a good excuse to just get swept up in it and, and go along. And you know that like, and if he's you non-threatening, but right. Like if, if you really put your foot down, he wouldn't actually force you to do anything sort of thing. Yeah. And it, and it's always like fun stuff. Like we're going to go, Break Fuck off from your job today, or right. whatever. We're gonna break into this building at night just to look around for a while. Like, so the mildest form of bad boy. And Hugh Dancy just comes off like a prick when he delivers those lines. Yeah, because he, he doesn't have the level of sort of cocksure charm you need. Like uh, Chris Evans. Yeah, or maybe a Hemsworth could have done it. Yeah, I could see that. But he's just, like, he's he's way more, like, wilting, fragile artist type. So he comes across as that prick at art school. Uh Uh-huh. Extremely reply guy. Yep. Which is a shame because, like, again, to what you were saying, there's there's this sense of, ah, in in a on a page, I can see how this dynamic would have worked. Because, like, what after he stalks her -er into spending time with him, they they eventually start bonding over the fact that he's studying werewolf legends, which are called the uh, Lugaru. In this version, and they're actually... Everybody in this movie pronounces that differently. Boy, howdy. Pick a pronunciation. (laughs) Probably one of the actors agrees with you. (laughs) They're shape changers at will in this universe. Our werewolves are different. They do shape change at will, yes. (laughs) It's true, aggressively in his direction. (laughs) And he's like just a super fanboy about this. Mm -hmm. He just thinks they're super cool and is wandering Europe drawing pictures of them. And you kind of get the impression that it's a little bit eye-opening for her to have somebody, like, appreciate this as, like, a cool, freedom-y thing, as opposed to just, like, this suffocating tradition that that's ruining her life. And, like, she sees herself as a monster. So, all, like, all of his talk about how they were, like, worshipped as gods and isn't this the coolest thing is clearly wooing her over a little bit. But also they bond over just the fact that he's interested in history and art and stuff. And a lot of their romance is conveyed just through them talking to one another, just walking around and talking. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nice. Not It's not really movie nice. It's more like, ah, yes, I can see how these long meandering back and forths would work in a book. Yeah. Meanwhile, her cousin is murdering women. Yep. Yep, we get a, we get a real establishment of his character by uh, having him stalk and kill a disposable woman. She wears a red dress, so you know she a hoe. Mm. Yep, and she dances. Yep, she dances sexily at him, but then doesn't want him to touch her. So you know. Well, and also, um, this is a good excuse to show that he has contempt for the human race, which he calls meat. So really, the oppressed minority are actually the violent, dangerous ones. Boy, this metaphor is confused, yes. Also, um, they rule the city from the shadows as crime lords and cops. And, um, 
and they execute people they catch dealing drugs in werewolf neighborhoods. And it's this very silly thing. And it's so weird how, like, I feel like this, I feel like this movie wants to avoid doing a not like other girls thing, because, like, it shows Vivian sticking up for the dis- for the disposable woman, but then she dies anyway. Yep. And, like, this, it goes back and forth on her relationship with her aunt, and then her performance is just her not aunt, helping. Like, her aunt likes her, but really wants to still be fucking Gabriel, who has decided he's going to fuck Vivian. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's upsetting for her. And also she only gets, like, three scenes, which does not help develop yeah. their relationship. Gabriel is the only character with an accent, by the way. Boy, it's awkward. But their their execution methods are very silly. Extremely. They also do this thing where, well, we werewolves are different because we only kill to survive, except there is no evidence that they need to kill at all. Mm-hmm. So they seem to just be a family of crime lords who murder people in creative ways. They do. Occasionally they all get together as a pack to play the most dangerous game. Yes. Yeah, they'll take somebody who they've decided is doing crimes in their neighborhood, take them out into the woods. All of the werewolves stand around and tell the person, hey, if you run all the way to the river, then you're free. Mm -hmm. But no one's ever done that. Oh, shit. And then the person runs away and they murder him. And then all of the pack members gracefully leap, like, belly flop through the air, and After Effects glows across their body. <laughs> it's very silly. Because none of them are, are instructed to look, like, joyous or bloodthirsty. They all just have the flattest expressions while wearing some manner of smoky eye. Yeah, and when later in the film, when we finally see her transform... She holds her face flatter than I've ever seen anybody do while jumping. It's really odd. Mm -hmm. Because apparently the one thing that she really likes in life is running. And especially running in her wolf form because it makes her feel free. They have all kudos to her stunt double. There is one brief scene where she parkours. She runs around the city wearing a hoodie so that her stunt double can easily step in. And it's not very impressive parkour. It's like you you hopped onto a slightly high curb and then kept going. Yeah. But most of the time when we see her jogging around the city, she'll step she'll jump up while running and kick a wall sometimes. Mm-hmm. Things that you do not need to be good at parkour for, nor have superhuman wolf reflexes. Right, like the one big the the, the one big stunt shot is I mean, it's neat. The stunt, di- uh, the, the stunt double clearly had to be in good shape, but it's not like only a werewolf could have done this. Yeah, it's more like any asshole willing to climb into somebody else's house through the balcony could have done this. Right. Also, she does this while Hugh Dancy's stalking her. A lot of stalking. <laughs> like, bro, you but, went to where she works. Yep. But her asshole cousin is trying to stir things up. And he, For reasons that are deeply unclear. It's weird because the movie refuses to address the fact that he clearly wants to fuck his cousin, but that's the only reason why he could be so mad about her hanging out with Hugh Dancy. I mean, I guess he could be mad about his dad wanting to fuck her because he dumped his mom. I guess. But, that would make sense. But his mom's been dumped for like 14 years. So. So, and- like, it's never even brought up. Those two are never in a scene together. They nope. have one scene Once. together where she's basically like, please, I want that dick. I still want that dick. So sad. And he's just like, nah. <laughs> it's 
very angsty. No, I met uh, Astrid and Rafe. Are they ever? In a oh, scene? I think like once. What? But she's very broken up about his death. Yep, I guess. I guess. Yeah, Rafe dies, but because he decides to take matters into his own hands, and rather than just scaring Hugh but Dancy we out of town, we haven't established Hugh Dancy though, because <laughs> Hugh Dancy has a dark past. Oh my God! I mean, Aiden. It's Hugh Dancy. Hugh Dancy. Yeah, Aiden. Uh, so so Aiden is an American. Again, there's some implications here because she grew up in America and doesn't like tradition. So Aiden was. He was was a sensitive American teen who just wanted to do a draw. He was basically Macklemore. Yep. <laughs> he just wanted to be a sensitive draw, but still like the ladies. Yep. <laughs> but his dad was a U.S. Army Ranger and forced him to learn to fight. And then threatened to ki- and, and then attempted to kill him when he left home. But... He learned to fight too good and fucked his dad up and put him in the hospital. So now there's an arrest warrant out for him in America for assault, which, like, this is pretty cut and dried. You could easily just let yourself be arrested and get away with this. Self-defense as a minor. Yeah, because he was 17 at the time. Mm -hmm. And then he's been on the run ever since. And And apparently he's been, like... Published? Yeah, he's been, like, selling articles to magazines and shit, and his books have, and has, like, been doing art books and shit. It's unclear how old he is. Yeah, it's... Like, I think it's supposed to be early 20s, but... Like, uh, older enough for him to seem a little bit, you know, cool and mature, but not, like, so old that it's creepy. I will give this, this Unlike Gabriel. That. Yeah, like, at least it is demonstrably meant to be creepy, that the dude literally old enough to be her dad wants to fuck her. My bar has been lowered so much. <laughs> Cause there there are there's definitely a work out there that would cast this dude in his 30 who's all smoldery and has a beard and stuff as, wow, isn't it kind of sexy how domineering he is and how he completely ignores the fact that she repeatedly says she wants nothing to do with him and his bone. <laughs> but not this movie. Lipstick. There's a whole thing where they are they are to attempt to run this human man out of town because he knows their secrets. Except he doesn't. He, he, he still doesn't know that they're werewolves. And he gets kind of justifiably mad when Rafe the Rapist tries to murder him and he survives because he wears a silver cross. And he stabs Rafe with it. it you say cross, but it's more like just like a fucking weeb ass looking shuriken on a necklace. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And so he, he spends five minutes being not unjustifiably mad that she didn't tell him she was a werewolf. That she's part of a weird werewolf cult that will kill him. Yeah. And that, but that lasts five minutes because then he gets captured and put on and put into the most dangerous game. So she must come to his rescue. Except he doesn't really need it. I mean, he manages to get a hold of like a silver butter knife. And when the werewolves all try to kill him, you know, while he tries to get to the river, which no one has ever gotten to. Yeah, nobody else. He stabs a couple of them. Nobody else apparently knew uh, how to like mask their scent or anything. Right. We get too many shots of Hugh Dancy smearing blood on trees. Like there's too many shots of that. You could have done that twice and we would have understood. No, we had to pad out this movie that's 98 minutes. Yeah, so we get, like, 
six or eight shots of him wiping his blood onto trees. But he gets there, but then they refuse to play by the rules, so. Which is some bullshit, because, like, if you're gonna have a stupid arbitrary trial system like that, like a trial by ordeal like that, you have to stick to it or nobody will fucking respect your shit. Gabriel's not good at being a leader, because he just listens to whatever his dumbass son tells him, and... It's and apparently so, his sole concern is fucking this teenager. And it's so, it's so very further muddling the metaphor <laughs> about, about marginalized groups being oppressed. Mm-hmm. They had no honor after all. So Hugh Dancy gets across the river. One big black wolf still tries to kill him. And so he manages to push it off into the water. Then this pretty white wolf also hops across the river at him and he's like this is some bullshit i did it and then he he cuts the pretty white wolf and naturally it turns out that it was vivian who was trying to help him and then suddenly this is like blade this is some blade shit this is some weird Mm sci-fi because now apparently silver is a poison agent but don't worry we have synthesized an antidote to silver Mm -hmm. so now it is both a race to get the uh, to, to get the antidote, and also to make sure that the other werewolves can't get the antidote, and also we're going to have to stage a final showdown because now they're trying to kill them both. And also we have to get out of the city. Even though they shouldn't be trying to kill them both because he completed your stupid game. But it was never about that, don't you see? <laughs> right, but like, that's some bullshit. Yes. Like, I, I feel Hugh Dancy's anger at this in my soul, because if you make a <laughs> stupid rule like that, one day it's gonna bite you. And in this case, it was with the small curly-haired man. <laughs> Look, he just wants all the dogs. He found, he found the perfect girlfriend for that. And then he moved to Maryland. <laughs> he found somebody who's both a girlfriend and a dog and a predator at the same time. It's all the things on the checklist. <laughs> they run to, a, to an old abandoned film processing factory. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of silver there. That's... So no, none of the other werewolves will come there. Astrid immediately comes there. And she's like, y'all are responsible for my son being dead. I'm gonna shoot you. And then Vivian is like, but don't. And she's like, okay. okay I guess I won't. And gives them a gun so that they can use that in like 10 minutes. But Vivian gets captured. So then Aiden has to like, you know, Hugh Dancy it well, no, up with first, 80 billion weapons. First, they go to the pharmacist. Well, yes, they do acquire the antidote in between there. They go to the pharmacist and get the antidote, and we see a significant shot of the pharmacist's safe that's full of, like, silver bullets and silver powder and shit. hmm But also the pharmacist calls all the other werewolves to get them. And they got a faster response time than the cops, man. It's because it's all part of their secret cabal. Mm. Their secret werewolf cabal. Well, also, they are the cops. That's so. also true. It's very confused. So whenever the cops don't respond fast enough, assume they're doing werewolf business. hmm When Aiden has to go and rescue her, you know the house scene in 28 Days Later? It's not unlike, unlike that. that. <laughs> Except a bit more PG-13. Yeah. And it's this whole thing where Gabriel's like, you probably don't like that I've put you in a cage, which is what the humans would do. And like, okay, but it's what you've done. Mm-hmm. It's what you've done. And like, <laughs> so your insistence that the humans would do all these bad things. 
It, it is weird how this movie opens with her family being slaughtered by humans and yet completely fails to, to like, shore up its own argument about humanity being dangerous in the current time. Yeah, I, I don't think humanity are the real monsters, actually. Oop. And, like, it's trying to do something with how both Vivian and Aiden, you know, come from families with these legacies of violence and have been pushed into being violent, but actually just want to escape and do their thing, break the cycle, etc. But it's very confused. Right, and well, and they ma- they managed to kill Gabriel in the end, which makes Gabriel, her... Gabriel drops some info about how... Apparently the prophecy was like that there was supposed to be this powerful female leader who would come. And for some reason he thought that was Vivian and just that's why he wanted to fuck her. And then they kill him. Yep. But then it turns out that she is. And really it's because she loved a human. And so they have united the, and then the they, warring tribes they or left some the, shit. They, which we had saw no evidence of. 404, uh-huh. not found. Uh-huh. But this was also before Underworld, I'm pretty sure. I believe so. It was either... Right before or at the same time. Yeah, what year was Underworld? I think it was also 2007, but I am in Googling. Wait for it. Oh, no, shit. Underworld was 2003. Fair dues. Okay, fair enough. This might be ripping off some Underworld. It might a little bit. It has that same kind of grim, pouty face about it. Yeah, but but the color palette is all Twilight. Mm-hmm. That, that very muted kind of beige look. And then the movie ends with, I guess she's oh, just fine being the pack leader now. Also, well, no, they, they let the other werewolves go rather than, you know, continue the cycle of violence. All the young werewolves mm-hmm. who are just kind of there. Just kind of there being dumb. Part of the rape pack. But I guess without their rapist leader, they're fine now. Yeah. Well, I don't think they participated in the rapes. So I think that was just all him. But and so they like and respect her. After she's done this. But then we get, like, a monologue about how your fate is what you make it. Right. Well, and they're driving down the city in that car and they pass people who all do the the gesture of submission at the car. Yeah. So I so guess I, they're in charge now. I guess. The end. But it looks like they're leaving the city to, to make their own way in the world. Mm-hmm. So you've now just created a violent power vacuum. Yup. And then the movie ends. So... I didn't hate it. No, I feel like... Again, I thought it would be way better as a book. It's just not bad enough to hate. Like, it's not good. It's not good. But I thought it would be way better as a book. And that's where this gets very funny. Yeah, so after spending the entire movie going like, oh, I can see how this kind of, this dynamic would have worked. Or like, these themes would have been better when you could look at it on a page. We decided to Google the book. And you guys. Oh my god, you guys. This movie ain't got shit to do with the book. It took some character names. This this movie is the Queen of the Damned movie of werewolf adaptations. Objection. The book seems to be just as heterosexual as the film. <laughs> Therefore, it can never be as bad as the Queen of the Damned movie. <laughs> but, like, it's that level of scrubbing away the original text for no good reason. Uh-huh. And, although, I'm gonna be real with you. The movie of... <laughs> better <laughs> i would like a uh a, a book adaptation of the film plot please yeah yeah can i can i get the book of the film because as it turns out in the book vivian really is vivian is 16 uh-huh. in the book as is aiden and it's, she's not like other girls they're jealous of her beauty 
they're in a high school in the Pacific Northwest where she has just come after her dad died. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, she's drawn to this mysterious outsider. Who is moody. Uh-huh. And writes poetry and shit. He, like, writes a poem about a wolf. And that's deep. But meanwhile, there is the werewolf pack to which she belongs. They're going around causing shenanigans because there's a power vacuum now that her dad has been killed. And uh, and her mom and her and Astrid are competing for the affections of this 24-year-old dude, which is so gross because they're in their 40s. You guys, super gross. This 24-year-old dude named Aiden, who is... No, no, named Gabriel. Named Gabriel, sorry, who is set to become the new pack leader. And then... Also, werewolves might be the descendants of a mutant wolf that got hit by a meteor. Maybe. Possibly. (laughs) Or they might be descend, like, blessed by a goddess. Which is less silly. So they've decided to go with that one. (laughs) Because that's less silly. (laughs) So apparently it conspires that, you know, they have the battle for pack dominance. And then they hold. After Gabriel wins. We are informed that the next stage of events is called... The Bitches Dance. Which is the single best string of words I've ever heard in my entire life. And then she, like, accidentally wins the Bitches Dance. And Gabriel, the 24-year-old man, tells the 16-year-old, don't worry, baby. I'll wait till you're ready. Like, opting out is not on the table. (laughs) Yep. But But she knocks out Astrid's eye. Because apparently Astrid just decides to leap for her mom, the greatest- for, for, for Vivian's mom, the greatest competition. And also, you know what Vivian's mom is named? Tell the people. She's named Esme. Esme. I can't. Yep. Yep. So the 16-year-old is now, uh, is now betrothed to the 24-year-old. But and- she's still trying to fuck Aiden. Um, apparently human hands and shit start showing up in her house and she starts worrying that she's you know, going wild and eating people. Without knowing about it and such not. And um, as it turns out in the book, he does not, he, he takes the, the whole werewolf thing bad for longer than five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and dumps her ass. And she, and she stalks him to try and get him back. Which, like, it is reasonable for him not to be into that. Yep. Like, guess what? Okay, but he takes it a little far when he then tries to murder her. I would assume she was trying to murder me. Like, yep. if I were him. <laughs> well, yes, apparently he thinks that she is the only werewolf in town, so it must be her doing all these murders that have now cropped up. Which are happening. Uh-huh. But no. But it turns out that it's Astrid and her boyfriend, Rafe. Yup. Yeah. They, they For the adaptation, they turned her boyfriend into her son. So that's fun. That's, that's a choice. <laughs> they, they've been trying to frame her. Because... You know, women, women. Be competing. Bitches, am I right? <laughs> Go to jail. <laughs> Go sit directly in jail. I'm going to make a jail in this recording room. <laughs> and you have to go there for puns. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so they send Aiden packing because he refuses to understand her pain. And she hooks up with the 24-year-old instead. The end. So... That happened. So, 
Um, I have no idea where the chocolate comes in in the book. It was not covered in the synopsis I read. <laughs> nope. Well, in the movie, it's very thinly connected. It's this saying about, you know, having blood and chocolate in your mouth and both are, one is as distasteful as the other. So it's about, I guess, how in despair, good things and bad things are both, you know, yeah. ruined. And also she works in a chocolate shop. She does. And those were some cute chocolates. Good job, you know, on set food designers. I mean, they're no Janice Poon. No, but no one is Janice Poon. Who gets that opportunity? Janice Poon wrote the um, the foreword of that book that I just checked out from the library. Ooh. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just checked out a book called uh, Becoming, Genre, Queerness, and Transformation in NBC's Hannibal. Good shit. Yes. I... So, yeah. So we looked up the book just to be like, okay, so here's, maybe they changed some things. They changed the entire thing. All of the things. In fact, they changed them. So I assume every actual fan of the book is mega salty about this movie. Probably. I would not blame them. However, I thought the movie was not that bad because I didn't read the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there, are, there are the bones of a workable thing. If I turn my head, I can see how the, this this works as like a as a coming-of-age narrative. It, it does kind of bum me out that this is what we ended up closing werewolf month on though yeah i feel like it's definitely the weakest pick of all that we watched well and it's kind of it's well in some ways i do want to give it credit because it's playing with with you know tropes that would become twilight didn't invent the sexy bad boy appeal whatever right who is also deeply sensitive i mean that that We've been seeing that in American mainstream cinema all the way back to James Dean and further. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not that these things are new, but it's it's a thing in, in modern werewolf stories in particular that always put me off. Twilight them. is just rebel without a cause. How dare you? Those <laughs> actors are dead. You're spitting on their graves like this. All three of them. Yep. It's dark. For a long time. In fairness to the Twilight fandom, it seems to have settled into its final memeified form in a way that I respect a lot. But okay, speaking of Twilight, though, we have to do this. Like, speaking of Stephanie Meyer. She read She read, she this, read these. <laughs> she read these fucking books. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I, like, like, there is there are so absolutely many. no way. Her like, mom's name is Esme. This author in 1990 wrote a, a vampire romance that sounds wild as shit. And also... Very twilighty. You can't always, you know, you can't always call lines of of influence because the world is vast. But at a time when YA fiction was still not as as big a genre as as it is now, and when Twilight, you know, contributed to that explosion, <laughs> this book was a big deal, and she read it. Like I just, I can't. She read the book. She read the book. <laughs> and like and that's not like a dunk on twilight but it's just like oh my god but i mean her books would go on to do the thing that i kind of hate about werewolf ex- my expectations of of werewolf romances that are this heavy emphasis on biological determinism and yeah. procreation and you know, cis sexuality and heavy emphasis on gender roles. Yeah. And the conflation of, of gen, like sex and gender and uh, sex driven characteristics. Mm hmm. Well, and that's a whole bucket of 
other yikes considering the way she also brought in non-whiteness as one of the aspects of where of the werewolves mm-hmm. yeah. so and that was kind of one thing that i i sort of liked about this movie was that it it, it ended with her getting together with a nice human boy and there was kind of this neat little story about the fact that all of the werewolves she hangs out with are shitty, toxic, masculine bros who never pay attention to what she wants. And so when she gets together with, with Aiden Dancy, <laughs> um, it, like he's this guy who wants to talk with her about her interests, if we put aside the weird stalking shit, and is like sensitive and tells her that her feelings are important and that her trauma is valid and yeah. that she doesn't need to feel guilty when... Gabriel spends the entire movie telling her her parents' deaths are her fault as a way to control her. Yeah, and well, and Dancy's character also connects with her because he's willing to express his experience of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they both bond as survivors and it's a really surprisingly like healthy romance in a way that I kind of liked. And that those are the moments where um, Vivian's actress is is the best in the movie is during their little falling in love montage where she seems a lot softer and more natural. And like you buy that they're dumb teenagers hanging out. Those scenes are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I liked the idea of these two characters together. Mm-hmm. Like it made sense in an oddly mundane way, too, because, again, most of the romance is conveyed through conversation mm-hmm. and basically sightseeing. The werewolf stuff is so vestigial to this in so many ways. Yeah. Like, aside of a couple of set pieces, it could be any kind of Romeo and Juliet stand-in. And I didn't hate it. No? Which which is nice, you know? Because I still don't... Heterosexual romances tire me, and especially when they're put into some of the very specific genre beats of YA. I feel like it can get a little bit in the post-Twilight world a little bit exhausting because you have that when you're trying to convey that escapist idea of kind of dangerous but in a safe way it can go to some bad places so I wish that there was more stuff like like this where yeah at no point is he actually a threat to her yeah like this is not treating the quote-unquote nice boy as like an obvious like um an, an obvious red herring he or, or you know, a total dud that why would the reader be interested in them? Which the book seems to do. Um, yep, because apparently with the book, it's all thematically about how what she was actually reaching for was not him, but the idea of being accepted as a normie. And, you know, given that it's a straight story, that's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. Like, just a whole lot. Okay, but also this movie would be much better if Aiden was a girl. Uh-huh. But it's weird because Aiden's character sort of would work better if his love interest were a guy. That like, too. Like, it's weird because his his backstory is so wrapped around this unspoken homophobia. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just masculinity, but homophobia that sort of drives his backstory. And that that's why I made the Macklemore joke. Mm-hmm. Because just this conflation of not being violent. With with not being acceptably heterosexually masculine. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. But it, it feel, this movie feels like it's about compulsory heterosexuality. And it's not. Right. It's Can we get the rights to this and remake it? <laughs> 
I don't think we need the rights to it. <laughs> I think we could just make another werewolf movie called Blood and Chocolate. Nothing is connected. <laughs> <laughs> but then we'd have to adapt the book, and I'd be sad about that. No, no, we could just make another thing that's also not based on the book. <laughs> also has nothing to do with this book i mean we could still name if, if we made it about uh, gay dudes we could still name the one dude vivian that's true you could vivian's a unisex name i like it <laughs> tm 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 <laughs> if you were a fan of the books i totally understand why you are big mad about this if indeed you are would understand but as I am blissfully <laughs> unaware and did not read this at a formative age where it would have been important. We're good. We just got to enjoy a thing that wasn't great, but also wasn't that bad. Yeah, and like, it's mostly just a kind of a mundane soft romance and then goes buck wild occasionally. Which there are worse things. Yeah, and like, <laughs> good doggos. Yes, all of the all of the wolf actors are so good. They are. They're clearly such well-trained puppies. Although, deep concern that the credits at the end of this film say, like, this production was conducted with, with utmost care and concern for these animals' safety, and not, <laughs> no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Well, you know, when you're filming in Romania, you don't have to evolve. <laughs> yep. So, like, that got a little side-eye from me, because, uh... There, def Questions. there is definitely a scene where Hugh Dancy, uh, like, whacks where like Wolf Rafe with a bone, and it looked like those hits were connecting. <laughs> I trust that it wasn't as bad as you know Milo and Otis. Literally, nothing is is as bad as the movie where they tossed kittens off a cliff. Yeah, multiple kittens, more than one kitten. Which, if you didn't know that, listeners, um. I'm sorry to have ruined your childhood. Oh my my childhood was very ruined. I watched that movie so many times. So many times. Oh yeah, so many. Ugh. Because it's a kitten and a puppy. And they have adventures. And apparently a lot of puppies and kittens had adventures. Yeah. Short-lived ones. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. But I think we can close off this month. It was a good experiment. Yeah. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, because... I, I've never been much into werewolf stuff, but, you know, I had a pleasant time. Yeah, and, well, I guess Stepping we've learned- out of my genre. And, and we've learned it's like literally every other genre where there's a bunch of crap, but also the good, like, there is good stuff and it's real good. Well, and it also varies so much because, look, we've got, like, a soft romance. Mm -hmm. We've got this sort of deep existential examination of the horrors of being a teenage girl- and a movie about a uh, female terror of their own sexuality and like the you know their agency being ignored and or reporters being murdered yeah like wide range of stuff which is cool yeah make more w movies about lady werewolves and i will go to see them <laughs> that wrap us up for this one yeah i think if we push any further it'll get boring cuz we'll just be spinning all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for October. Listeners, it is the spookiest time of year and therefore our favorite. If you liked this episode, you can find more of us by going on to SoundCloud and searching for Trash and Treasures. You can email us if you want to get in contact with us. 
at trashandtreasures underscore pod at outlook.com. You can find us on social media on Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod, or you can find us on Tumblr at trashpod. Uh, you know, get hold of us on social media. We'll give you a shout out, like at Nos- Nosferacute, who gave this, who gave us the best news in the entire world, where apparently, if you look up Herbert West is gay, our podcast comes up on the ve- on the first page. Yes, that's the best thing I've ever heard. We did it. And finally, we still we have our brand new Patreon, which is patreon.com slash trash and treasures. If you go there and become a donor, you can get fancy bonus content once a month. And also just, you know, even if it's just a dollar, it really helps with things like hosting costs or getting new mic situations if something is to break and just helping us keep the lights on. Because, you know, we do this for love. We're not going to start charging for the podcast, but, you know, it's... It, it takes time to put these things yeah. together, so. Yeah, and often, um, especially with the Drunk Book Club, a lot of the stuff that we source has to be bought because it tends to be rare books that are not easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Rare books and drink materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of drinks, you can also, donors can get a hold of My Recipe Book. Which is very good. She good at make the drinks. Yeah, so you can get My Recipe Book. There's... A couple different tiers, different rewards. I'm not going to push them on you. Go see what we've got if you're interested. If not, we still love you guys. We do. We still love you. Uh, And speaking of, next time is a drunk book club. And boy, are we going to need to be drunk. Or I am. (laughs) Because I insisted that I have to purge some old demons. So we're reading The Phantom of Manhattan. angels? Out. I do not. I do not. Yeah, we are reading The Phantom of Manhattan, or as some of you may know it better by its adaptational name, The Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies. God help me. I don't go here. I really go here, and it's hell. All right, until next time, listeners, take care of yourselves. See y'all. 